Have you ever wondered why some entrepreneurs seemingly catapult to the top in a short period of time, while others take years or even give up on their dreams? The fastest path to success is positioning yourself as an authority. Follow me on my journey to build my online dream business as I interview successful entrepreneurs, uncover marketing strategies to grow your business, and help position you as the authority. I'm Steph Shinneberry, and this is The Authority Marketing Edge. Welcome to Authority Marketing Edge. Today, we are going to talk about mindset and awakening your true intelligence through play. Play, y'all, one of my favorite things. Today, my guest is Roma Bajaj Kohli. She is a life coach and a motivational speaker at wellnessbyroma.com. She is the founder of The Awakened Mind Method, an eight-week transformational program that helps soul-centered women leaders master their minds, own their true power, and awaken their innate intelligence through play. Her superpowers are the ability to be more and do less and still be an influencer. She is naturally gifted with words, her charisma, listening skills, and strong intuition. She has a tremendous ability to embrace her imperfections, to be raw, open, and vulnerable. She is the kind of coach who will never stop believing in you and your vision and will hold you accountable when you slip. Welcome to the podcast, Roma. I'm so excited to have you here. Same here. Thank you, Steph. Thank you. Who gave you that bio? So interesting. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so let's see. I read that you were a global fashion apparel designer. And uh, so I want to know a little bit about that. Like how long ago were you doing that? And how did you transition from that into being in kind of like the online space, but it, as a mindset and an awakening coach? Right. So, yeah, I mean, I've almost 12 years back, I used to do fashion apparel designing. I started my career back in India. It was almost in 2004. I did, I graduated from fashion school. And um, ever since then, no matter where I traveled, I've lived in five countries up until now. So with my husband, I've traveled to different parts of the world. And no matter where I traveled, I had this desire to keep on going with my fashion um, career. And it was really satisfying and fulfilling for my creative side. And it was only when I came to the United States, I was actually just before that we had come back from Switzerland, uh, back to India, which was the base of his company. So when I was in Switzerland, I was working for Esprit as a consultant. And then when we went to India, I got a job as a, a you know, guest faculty in one of the design colleges because I had so much global experience. I had worked in London, Paris, Switzerland. So when I went back to India, I used that to educate and teach because teaching is very close to my heart. I love doing that. So when we came to US, I came on a dependent work visa and I knew that I couldn't work for for however long it would take for me to get the permit to work so being the first immigrant parent here and also on a dependent visa a dependent like spouse it was very hard for me those four years was the time i really took to dive within my actual my real calling and what i wanted to do in life and so 
that was the time when the transition started happening. I really wanted to continue my fashion career, but I wanted to do, I wanted to study since I couldn't work. So when I was about to give my uh, GMAT for my MBA in fashion communication and design, I found out I was pregnant with my second child. And so we had to make a decision which one would stay. And um, because it would be hard with two kids under two years old, um, it would be hard for me to take that study loan and then go out, do work. It was just not, and we had no support here. So we were building ourselves from, from scratch. So it, I just took, took the decision to keep the child and, you know, minus the education. And that was when I really started exploring because that was the moment I decided one year after my, my daughter turned you know, one, I decided that I wanted to become my own boss and I really didn't want it to work for anyone. So since I didn't have a visa, I would collaborate with friends and other, you know, people who I knew to decide what I wanted to do. So I've hopped from being an art teacher, like a, a serious serial entrepreneur, from being an art teacher to making homemade protein patties and condiments, selling that from my home to do to almost uh, you know like un, like I think by mistake stumbling onto success with a five-figure catering business to only realize and you know burn out even further from my exhaustion of trying to do everything and still not being able to figure myself out. Mm -hmm. It was until I went to uh, I was trying everything and then I did this catering business and then we moved from the city to the suburb. When we made that shift for, for family reasons, we wanted our kids to go to a better school. We, we realized, I realized that, you know, the help over there, my catering business was not going to survive. So I decided to become a foodpreneur. So I went from confusedpreneur to then becoming a foodpreneur. <laughs> right. That. And then, and then from there, I realized that when I started working with a food coach to launch my own bottles of, you know, condiments and package my protein, you know, uh, burgers and stuff, I realized that, wow, this is amazing. I can do it, but I don't really want to do it. There's something else that's calling deeper for me. And I didn't know what. I was still confused but thinking that maybe food was my creative outlet because in those four years, I realized how creative I was in that field. And so um, I, you know, um, was looking, I was looking for yoga classes because when I suffered from major postpartum depression after my second child, yoga was something that was really, that really called my soul. And the, the amount of classes, you know, the availability of the diversity of classes that was available in the city was hard to find in the suburb. All I could find was one hot yoga class and I hated hot yoga at that time. But for some reason, I would just feel like throwing up every time I would go there. And um, so I could and adjust myself to that and I wanted to you know dive deeper into developing my own practice so I didn't really need to go anywhere and that was when I landed like I really came on it by by mistake I think I was applying to a different yoga schools in India we were going for a summer break taking the kids and I was going just for a summer break for two months to India and I applied for quite a few colleges or schools in India and I got a call from one saying, we want to interview you midnight, you know, like our midnight, it's early morning in India. 
And I'm like, okay, sure. How long can this be? It's just a yoga school. I wasn't taking it seriously. They interviewed me for almost two hours. And then they said, and I'm like, listen, I have kids here. I really need to hang up now. I don't know what, what this is for. This is not like a college. And, and then they were just talking to me. And then they said, we're giving you a full scholarship to come and do your uh, training in yoga lifestyle and yoga coaching, you know, just yoga as a holistic lifestyle. And I'm like, no, this is, this can happen. Like I, I was just, I wasn't even sure if I was going that summer. Like we planned to, but we hadn't anything materialized. Like we didn't have our tickets or anything. And then my husband said, okay, you are going now. Now that you've made it, you've got a scholarship. Looks like this is what is calling you next. And it was really through that journey of learning yoga beyond the physical body and the exercises that is usually taught in the West that I became um, that I became furthermore called towards my uh, my calling of you know teaching yoga as an as an holistic lifestyle. Oh, that's beautiful! I love that story. I love that story. One of the things that that stuck out to me was I love the term confusedpreneur. I think I don't know if you coined that, but it's beautiful because I haven't heard it before. I, I and it's just like. And it makes so much sense because I see so much of that. And, you know, we, I think a lot of us have this calling to do our own thing, but we're just not really sure where we fit in. And I love that you said, like, I don't know if you said it, but what I heard was you were on a journey. And so through the journey of, of, of trying and listening to your body and listening to the thoughts that were coming back to you and your experiences, that's how you got clarity. And that's how you knew you know, where to go. And so I love that. I, you know, I think that's so important that so many times we'll sit around trying to think clear, think into clarity and it just doesn't come until we actually take action and like, you know, trial and error. So I love that. It's a beautiful story. Thank you oh, for thank sharing you. that. I mean, I just think that clarity comes with engagement. Yes. So- yeah, when I was at my yoga training, I thought that now I know what I want to do. There was there were a few moments in my through my because it was a 30 day residential course. I had to stay away from my family because it was in a remote village. I couldn't make calls that often home. My daughter was only one and a half year old at that time, but she was living with my parents. So it was it was like with their grandparents. It was kind of weird in the first two weeks i was like what the hell i really thought i was coming on a retreat but this is more of a journey of like an inward journey this is not an evolution this is an involution me trying to figure me out and i just realized how much of um you know self-judgment self-hatred and so much of resentment just to who i was was within me and i i got that time to really unpack all that and there were many moments through my training I felt like this is it I have hit clarity to its peak and there is nothing more that I need to clear in life I felt so electrocuted and awakened but it didn't happen like that even when I came back I started my business as a as a yoga teacher and like a chef I used to teach people yoga and cooking classes but it was quickly in a year I realized no this is not enough. I want to do more. 
but what is that more? And I kind of started feeling exhausted and overwhelmed with like, when is this more going to end? When is, when is this going to be enough? This whole searching and soul searching and soul calling. And actually I think it never, it's never going to get over. But at the same time, you learn to become more and more in peace and in alignment with your true self if you follow that curiosity if you don't look at it like it was it is something that is pushing you to your edge versus you look at it as if it is something that is pushing you to fly oh. you know so that was my my liberating moment it was like one thing after the other then after that i started training in in the discipline of you know studying scriptures of yoga like the philosophy of yoga why was it why did it invent who was the sage who invented it really studying all of that then getting my certification as a life coach and even through that i felt like okay this is it i found what i want to do when i first time i remember at a library at a local library i stood up to speak for my business for my yoga business and my coaching business was the time I realized, wow, it was, it was that moment when a, a 2000 piece puzzle and it suddenly feel like, felt like the last piece was put oh. together. And it, it just felt like now everything came together. And it was, it was when, when I spoke there at the library and I didn't stop there. I started speaking at corporate organizations. I spoke at a bank very recently. And that was the time when I, when that feeling sunk in deeper and deeper and it felt like, yes, this is what you are here to do. And you know, this is, this is how you will continue to grow. And that was the moment when I don't think that hunger is still dead within me, that curiosity of more, but at the same time, there is a contentment and a level of stability and being within me that right. I can still do, but I do it from a place of more being and stillness rather than hustling. Right. I love that. It is so beautiful. I have so many good things out of just this one piece of what we've talked. The one question, I love it. It's like, girl, I've got like quotes and every, oh, this is beautiful. I love this. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, um, what you know one of the things that uh, i read in your in your bio was the uh, you celebrate the art of Im imperfections and i am i believe in that too and so i uh, it reminded me of are you familiar with kintsugi the art of uh, so in japan they they actually uh, take their broken pottery and they put it back together with gold and silver inlay. So they actually celebrate where the cracks are and bring attention to it. And uh, I just think, I, I just found that so beautiful that, because I related that to the human spirit. Like we, we often hide the things that, that we're ashamed of or that we think, you know, we're broken, but yet we can use those to show the world how we've overcome it and how to, and help other people to overcome it as well. And I, and so anyway, my question was, tell us about your ability to embrace your imperfections and to be raw and vulnerable and, and what that means to you or how you utilize that. I mean, this story goes back to when I was four year old, I think I was in nursery or in the first level of school. And I got a zero on 10 in my paper for writing ABCs wrong, like the uppercase and the lowercase. And I decided to celebrate it. 
but it was over the time, like I wouldn't shy it from showing it to the person who would drive me home, my tempo driver. I wouldn't shy it to show it to my mom, to show it to everyone in the auto, in, in my tempo who would go home with me. And they would all look at me like these mysterious, ashamed eyes. And even as a child, I clearly distinctly remember those memories. And I look at it and I feel like, why is that look? Why can't we celebrate a failure? I, I didn't know it was failure then, but I knew it wasn't the best thing to get because I could feel my students in class, my fellow mates in class who did better. But at the same time, there was something within me that told me that it's fine. That's how you learn. I mean, period. Duh. You have to fall to learn to, you know, walk and fly or whatever else you want to do. But somehow it, it wasn't registered that way by society. And ever since then, I had this mindset of being bullied in school. So I hated academics and I, and I thought I would never do well in it until actually I did. So for me, um, I've lived so much of my life in that burden of not being good enough, not being worthy enough, you know, diminishing my power so that everyone else can feel validated and approved, literally living the life of a doormat. And because of living that life, I became that person to my kids. And when I saw my children, I would go oscillating between two ends. One was a control freak an obnoxious rant to to the other side of being a victim empathetic like so so pitiful and so um weak that i didn't know which one was me and i didn't know that there was ever an in-between i didn't know that there was alignment where you could love yourself even when you fall i didn't know that someone would love me unconditionally or i could love myself because i've received that levels of unconditional love a lot through my family but i wanted to love myself and i wanted i had some core beliefs and values in me since i was a child and that was hidden or suppressed by me it was a choice even though at that time you know as a child we don't realize what choices we have but still today i realize it so the blame game ended the moment i realized mm -hmm. everything ended for me and it was really that moment onwards i decided I may not always have the right words, the right accent, the right vocabulary, but what I have is a very clear and strong intention to tell every other um, person and individual out there that do wrong, be wrong, but don't hide. You know, mm -hmm. just do whatever you know to do, just do it, but don't hide it. Do it to bring your inner, inner self out there. So I really relate to those golden uh, golden lines in the pots. And I, and I mm. love that they celebrate that. I only learned to celebrate that now. And it was then I started bringing the playfulness in my healing because mm. all the things I wanted to do was just go outside, play on a swing and never be yelled at to come back home and study. And those were the things I started doing now because those, those, those voices, the other people's noises become your voices is always my thing. And because those, those noise became my voice. Now I was finally liberating my voice out there. And I wasn't afraid of judgment because at a huge level, I had let that judgment go within me. So, yeah, I mean, I yes. totally celebrate my vulnerability and my, 
authenticity. I mean, if somebody says, what is, what is authenticity? For me, it's a courageous way to love yourself openly and not feel bad about being too selfish or too um, you know, self-obsessed. Those things don't happen until and unless you are someone from a very, uh, you know, someone whose core is not right. I don't think so. I think like love is a natural way of life. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that. It's so, um, it's so awesome that you were able to, to come to that, you know, to come to that place because so many times people go through life, you know, they're still hiding those, you know, imperfections and shame and, and all of that stuff. And that keeps us stuck and that keeps us not, uh, being able to, to live up to our full potential. And so I love it that when people can do that. So yeah, I mean, I remember the first time going to a networking meeting here in the United States, and I was so shy, and more than shy, I was ashamed because I'm brown. Are people going to accept me? It was an all-white networking event. I felt so much shame around who I was. And then when I went there in that meeting, there was like power sudden power within me that just said that, oh, I'm, I'm a confused preneur. That was the first time I coined that word out. <laughs> I didn't want to say I'm a stay-at-home mom because I clearly knew even though I was a stay-at-home mom, it wasn't like I was hiding it, but I clearly knew there was more to me, but I didn't know what at that time. So I knew one thing, I wanted to become my own boss. And so I coined the word confused preneur. <laughs> ever since then, I owned it. I owned that word and it became, even now, if you Google it, you'll see that you only see me over there. Oh, that's you know? awesome. I love that. Because I completely owned it. I was like, okay, this is the stage I am in. I'm confused, but I really want to be an entrepreneur. So the wannabe entrepreneur was not for me, but the confused preneur was for right, me. Right. Right. I've seen one. I've seen wannabe as well, but I love that. So let's talk a little bit about this play because you use that in your program, right? Is that, am I correct? So tell us a little bit about what you do with people to get them into their play. I, I do believe play is so important, but. Right. So, you know, like I remember that George Bernard Shaw's quote about we don't stop pray, playing because we get old, but we, because we stop playing, we are getting old. Yes, yes, right? I agree. Yes. So, so that is one of my one of my very major philosophy is that in order to play, you need a very joyful mind and a very vibrant effort. You know, like a very vibrant uh, body. So, how do you get that? How do you come in that state where none of your body is an obstacle? No part of your body is an obstacle for you to feel that free flowing energetic self, just like a child. And how is your mind constantly in that state of joy? I call that the state of ease and flow, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I feel that when we are playing, doing things like that call us, that call our souls, not for competition, not to win, uh, no motive, just to be our full authentic self. That's the play element. And for everyone, it's different. You know, I've have clients who say that they just feel like making a puzzle all the time. That really helps them be, be in that flow state. It's that just bringing them in that state where they have no track of time, where it doesn't matter where they are physically in this environment. They are just in being with themselves. 
So yeah. that for me, just bringing my clients to that and then helping them develop a daily practice that keeps them in that, in that flow state. Giving them, giving them throughout the day small, um, you know, small nourishing breaks where, um, you know, they are able to then bring that level of ease and flow back in their life and connect to the source of their being is what is my whole purpose of play and what I teach my clients when I say heal through play. I love that. I love that. Yes, that's, that's awesome. And I love, yeah, being in flow. And that's, that's how I describe play too. It just, you're light, you know? You're so, light. Yeah. yeah, that lightness. And along with that lightness, you might be doing a physical activity, but there is a certain level of stillness within you. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is what, and you know, a lot of people say, so how many hours should I meditate in the morning? My clients come with, so how many hours do, would I have to spend in the morning to do this or in the night? And I'm like, none based on how much you want to feel in alignment with it, right? So you don't have to spend one hour in the morning chanting affirmations, doing gratitude journals. None of that will work until and unless you have found your why behind why you are doing what you are doing, right? You have to have an intention behind doing what you are doing. Otherwise, it's going to be like another to do. And you'll never, never, um, you know, feel it and own it. So do do stuff that nourishes your ego in a way that you are in line with it, in check with it and in love with it. Not in a way where you give it a chance to feel like, okay, I meditated for 15 minutes. Isn't that good enough? It isn't if you haven't really got in touch with yourself, if you haven't really had that conversation that you need to have with your mind, your thoughts and your ego and your intelligence, right? There's going to be no point of that unless you've literally sat still with your thoughts. If I've, I often say this to my clients, oh, I meditate for 20, 30 minutes, my clients say. And I say, yes, great. How do you feel after that? It's great, only up till one point. And then after that, what's in it? Because meditation is not about suppressing your thoughts. No. It's about letting them flow. Mm-hmm. I wish like people understood this. I know. Yeah. Once you let that flow, then you understand. It's like having a coffee with your higher self, going on a right. date. Right. With your higher self. Yeah. That's meditation. And right. once you do that, then you can go on that date 24-7. Life becomes worship. Right. I love that. Yeah. And then you would never have to sit even for that 10, 15 minutes. Right. And I find though, that if I don't sit still for even a few minutes, that I'm not, that I'm not as able to have that the other 24 hours. If I get started in my day without setting that intention of being present and being in my body and just go out and just go running off the door, then I'm much more reactive. Like there's not the space that I need. Mm -hmm. I call it a space. (laughs) There's a space between my, reaction or response in, in the world if I, you know, if I, right. if I do meditate. So I love that. It's beautiful. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about your awakened mind method. It's an eight week transformational program that helps soul centered women leaders master their minds. I, I love that. What is there? Um, is there some process that you would like to share about that a little bit? Yeah. I'd love to know. Yeah. It's, it's a five step framework. I work uh, with my clients on their mindset 
But when we are working on their mindset, we are not just working on their conscious mind, but we are also working on their subconscious mm-hmm. mind because it's, it's a 90 to 10 ratio. The subconscious is much bigger than the conscious mind. So we have to make sure that whatever deep-rooted fears or you know, inhibitions that each one of us is holding onto is released first and is constantly being released. I have had clients who have faced so much of uh, healing of trauma just in their dreams because, uh, because of the, the method that I use. It's, it's a technique of yoga called yoga nidra. It's like, which means deep yogic sleep. So it's in your sleep, you can actually overcome most of your biggest life traumas and fears. But it's, it is very similar to, it, it, it is not similar to any of the practices, not even hypnosis and hypnotherapy, but it's more deeper where on the core, it gives you access to work with your inner uh, sciences and your inner limitations, you know, whatever. It's even deeper than your belief system because the subconscious has been longer than your this physical body has been. Mm-hmm. So it takes that amount of work. So that's my mindset revival work that I do with them. Then I work with them on their energy levels through the breath work, which also targets their emotions. So how to manage your em- energy and emotion through breath work. And then I also work with them on their food because what you consume, what you're feeding your physical body also, you know, directs conscious eating directs what is feed, what you're feeding your mind so i don't necessarily give them recipes as to what to eat but i teach them how to eat when to eat right because i think that what to eat is easy you can look up youtube for a healthy plant-based diet and you can get one but for me it's not about what you eat as much of a problem rather when you eat and how you eat it mm-hmm. right because that's the mindfulness piece in it then, um, then I also work with my clients on a le- like you know visualization meditations, which really helps them again dive deeper into um, casting those feelings of what kind of a life they really want and how do they want to live every single moment of their life. So you know, like these are all the frameworks that I work with my clients on and that improves them at all levels of their being. It's not only work home and professional life is both it's work and who you are. Right. Yeah. You can't really separate it. Although we sometimes think of it that way, they're not really separated. So because there is, so that's why people say, oh, there is no balance. Why? Because you're trying to look at, it, look at it as two different things. You're trying to look at work as one and home as one, you know, personal and professional. But when you look at them as life, and you, then everything becomes harmonized. Then you're no more walking that thin line, that balance beam. Rather, you are walking and rather embracing life. That's beautiful. I love it. That's exciting. I love it. So, okay. So you are a co-author in the book, Women Who Boss Up. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Oh, that is, that is one of my latest, newest venture. And it is, it is amazing the kind of women that are in our group mm-hmm. and how each one, one of them have a beautiful story of how they have made themselves to really stand up and own and really boss up for who they are. For me, that title meant, means that 
just own all parts of me. For mm-hmm. me, bossing up means that, you know, I take my negative and my positive, my good and my bad, all those parts of me that society um, would say hide, I own all of that and I walk with that. And mm-hmm. that's what makes me feel like I've bossed up because mm-hmm. I don't believe in leaving anything behind of me because mm-hmm. we are not here to create a legacy. We are rather here to serve our whole right. self right. and bring all of us there. For the longest time, I thought that what's the legacy I want to leave behind. When I, when I remember when I gave birth to my daughter for the first time, the amount of self-hate I had within me and self-judgment, I wish that she would never have that. But in that moment, that was the time I decided, oh, I'm going to improve myself so I can leave this legacy behind for her. She can have a better role model. But today I realized that I don't care about the legacy I leave behind. What matters is, am I living every moment of my life in my truest best self? Am I living every moment of my life experiencing the ultimate states of gratitude, joy, and happiness? If not, then I haven't really lived. And then what, what is, then what legacy do I want to leave behind, right? So I've stopped thinking about what I leave behind and what I create in the future either, because the past brings me depression, the future brings me anxiety. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. I've, I've just decided to live every moment as it goes and serve all of me in everything that I'm doing, bring my 100% focus. That for Mm -hmm. me is awakening. That for me is consciousness. You don't really need to awaken to a whole new life's purpose. Life's Mm -hmm. purpose is being present. Mm -hmm. That's your Mm -hmm. gift. Yeah, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah, being being present. You're living living your legacy, basically. When you're present and serving, you're living your legacy. So, right. And for me, that's bossing up. Like, yeah. are you, are you ready to boss up at that level? Yeah, that's a, that's a big level for a lot of people to show, to be their authentic self and show that to the world and to be present. And, right. So, and that's it? where I say that this is the moment. If you've learned to embrace that, you don't worry about the impact you create or the influence it has you become an inspiration. Every mm-hmm. breath of your mm-hmm. life is an inspiration. Oh yeah. I love it. That's so beautiful. Oh, I'm so glad I got to meet you. It's really, it's been a pleasure. It's really been a pleasure. So thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and your process. And I know people are going to want to follow you and read the book. I can't wait for the book myself. Uh, you're, you're my third interview of the, of the 16, I believe. They've all been magnificent. And so Roma, is there anything else that you would like to share or, or leave with our listeners before we close out? Yeah, I mean, I always leave my listeners with one last quote, and that is that to see with your open eyes is to dream, but to mm. see with your eyes closed inwards is to actually awaken. Oh, I love that. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you so much. This Thank has been you. awesome. So guys, you're going to have to check out the book, Women Who Boss Up. And can you tell us where they can find you? And I'll include those in the show notes as well, in case they want to come check out your coaching or your Awakened Mind Method. I think I might have to check that out, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. It's www.wellnessbyroma.com. Okay. And that's my Instagram handle as well, wellnessbyroma. Okay, awesome. And I'm also on Facebook by Roma Bajaj Kohli. 
Okay. As well as Wellness by Roma, my business page. Okay, beautiful. Thank you, Roma. So guys, thanks for listening. This is Steph Shinneberry with Authority Marketing Edge. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please give us a review and I'll send over the Authority Marketing Guide, the why and how you should be positioning yourself as an authority. Again, thanks for joining us. This is Steph Shinneberry with Authority Marketing Edge.